Raw Truth podcasts may contain explicit, sensitive, and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or other medical professional. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Women's lives follow many paths, twists and turns, and choices never planned nor expected. In life, temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness can lead a good person to make a choice that they can't take back. When facing judgment in isolation, a person can feel very alone. In this podcast, you will hear stories from women who made the choice to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, stories of female infidelity. An anonymous and no-judgment podcast created and hosted by me, Rebecca Adams. I was an unfaithful wife. You are not alone. Hello and welcome to Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Today's episode is our year end of 2023. Basically, it's a recap of some of the stories that I shared through the year. And I had reached out to everybody that I could reach um, who had submitted a story and asked for an update. And I got a few. I didn't get as many as last year, but I did get a few. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that today. I wanted to say thank you. I, I had a lot of people actually message me because they'd been listening and are interested in sharing their stories, but they were just kind of checking it out. Thank you. It makes me feel good to know that you're hearing this. Please send them in. And I'll be honest with you, I do not have one female story set for January quite yet. I have Patreons. So I have a five-part episode from one person. That is just amazing. But I've spoken with many ladies and they've been considering it. And I'm just going to ask again, hey, you know, please go ahead and proceed. It's all anonymous. And I can, um, you, I can direct you to a story guide. That's just right on my website, which is rawtruthpodcast.com. And you'll see it says story guides once for the uh, wayward spouse. So for the females and the other one is for um, the betrayed spouse, which for the whole point of the the podcast, that would be where the men would go to pick up their story guide. It just helps put things in order. So things flow well, and they're not jumping around and getting confusing. So reach out to me. Even though this is the last episode of 2023, um, I still have my email, and I'll still be doing research and all that kind of stuff. So you can definitely reach out to me. And if you are a Patreon subscriber, and I will also mention this on the Patreon year end, I will freeze your charges for the month of December because I will not be putting out any new content, but I will, um, that'll start back up in January. So I, I don't like people to pay for something when they're not getting anything. And what that does is it actually will not allow anybody new to sign up during the month of December. Um, and so if you're listening to this and you're interested in signing up for Patreon, do it before the end of uh, November. Otherwise, um, you will be able to sign up in January. 
So let's go ahead and get started with our first update. This is a segment of Kara's story. I drove home in total silence, trying to remember everything that happened. It was like I was having an out-of-body experience right there in the car. Did this actually happen? Did I just really have the best sex I've had in years with a stranger who was 25? Oh my fucking God, what did I do? And panic set in. That day, I had to be home early to drop my girls off at cheer camp. I showed up at the diner to meet the moms and girls with a fresh glow on my face, and the smile gave it all away. My one friend who knew what I'd been going through took one look at me and said, Don't tell me now. Wait until the ride home. I'm still amazed to this day that she was able to tell just from the release intention she saw in me. I gave her all the dirty, sexy details and retold the events like it was happening all over again. That's when I got right back to the panic. What if he finds out? What if he tells someone? I was freaked out and went to some extremes. She even considered hiring a private investigator to make sure he wasn't going to extort me for money. That only lasted a minute, though, because I knew that was overkill. I felt like he was a good person, and I knew I was making myself crazy. I also know me and know that I'll never stop thinking about it if I didn't know for sure. So a few days later, I messaged him to see if he found out my name. He said he didn't, and we started chatting. I was up until 4 a.m. messaging him back and forth and didn't feel guilty about it at all. He was a flirt, and I liked his swagger. I wanted to talk to him more. I wanted to know more. I wanted to see him again, and I still had myself convinced it was just for meaningless sex. But it wasn't meaningless. I didn't know him at all, but we had sexual chemistry, so therefore it wasn't meaningless. It had something that other one-night stands didn't have. Something some relationships never have. We had strong chemistry and I knew it, but I tried to not show what I knew. Update. Your podcast has helped me. I don't find that I related to anyone's story, but it has helped me to hear how they feel. I don't come from trauma and my marriage isn't in shambles. My husband thinks I'm perfect. He loves and adores me. My parents set an amazing example of what love and marriage is, so it's hard for me to relate to people who have such a traumatic backstory. This is an affair of self-care and losing the power to be in my marriage by a choice. Well, sort of. I will have to work all of that out in another story. So when I do stream somebody's story, I usually give some thoughts or advice or ask questions, to which I did. And these were her responses. My husband has a neurological illness that has tremendously affected our sex life. It's rare, so in order to protect my identity, I don't want to share what it is, but it's awful. It's sad, and if I'm not angry, then I'm lonely. My husband is the most amazing person I know. I love and respect him more than anyone in the world. We are soulmates, always have been and always will be. 
He knows I'm missing something, so he's the one who told me to go be with someone else. Not in an open marriage kind of way, but in a sense that he knows his body can't give me what I crave. So in addition to feeling lonely, I also feel so much guilt for having these feelings in the first place. If he wasn't sick, I wouldn't be here talking about this. I would probably fantasize about other men because I've always done that, but I would not have acted on it. My husband will never be the same. I am dedicated to being with him for the rest of my life, but I also need to care for me. I thought a 25-year-old would satisfy that desire for one night, but I didn't expect it to take me where it did. I have seen him once since I wrote you. It was fine. We both apologized for what happened between us when we fought and sort of agreed to end it, but I still can't. I can't let him go. Listening to your advice about how he's 25 and probably isn't into it from the same angle I am helped. I wanted him to be my dirty little secret for the time-to-time visits, but I think he's afraid I'm falling for him. It's sad, but I have to get myself together and focus on what really matters. My family, my husband, my mental health. Thank you, Kara, for submitting that and sharing with us where things are right now. I hope you're doing okay and hanging in there and that things work out the way that they're meant to work out. Our next update is from Angela. And Angela actually sent me two separate updates, so we will touch base with those. But first, here is a little clip of her story. I tried to leave one night, but he wasn't going to take no for an answer and talked me into coming back home. I stayed for another three years until I just couldn't stand it anymore. I knew I had to find a way to get away from him, so I had an affair. He downloaded software on our home computer and found out about the affair and confronted me. He was so upset that he assaulted me, threw my clothes out of the house, and threw me out. I went to the police because I wanted my kids to know my side of the story, in case he came after me and killed me. I wanted some sort of paper trail so that they wouldn't believe only his side. He was arrested and charged with assault and paid a fine as well as community service. Within six months we were divorced and I basically gave him what he wanted because I just wanted to be out and away from him. I picked up the broken pieces and tried to put my life back together again. My relationship with my two children was cracked, and it took a lot of work to repair the damage I had done to them. I moved on quickly. About six months later, I began dating and moved right away in with a guy that I'd known for about 20 years. I was so desperate to have that stability back in my life and have a family unit back. I soon learned that neither of those could be instantly put back together, and trying to blend a family was very difficult. There were many red flags that I chose to ignore that became big stressors in the marriage. The stressors eventually ended the marriage, and I vowed never to marry again. 
I spent the next few years on my own, dating here and there, but never wanting anything serious because men weren't worth anything more than sex to me. Rebecca, not a lot has changed for me in this past year. Still married to my husband and still having my affair. My husband is sick with COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and congestive heart failure. He wears oxygen 24 hours a day, is limited in his activities, is on disability and retired from his job, and the time clock has begun since he began wearing oxygen 24 hours a day about six months ago. He is in stage four, and they say usually people can live up to five years or so. However, I don't believe he will live that long. We have been married for seven years and together about nine, with one turmoil after another almost every year. He had to work two full-time jobs from the beginning because of alimony to his ex-wife. He lost his nine-year-old granddaughter drowning in a river. His mother got COVID and died five days later. Then his father died of a broken heart three months later. His son was accused of touching his oldest daughter, was arrested, lost custody of both kids, spent a year in jail, and is now listed as a sex offender. His brother has lived with us since the passing of their parents because he had been taking care of their parents for the last 10 years and he didn't have a job or anything to fall back on. His illness is just the icing on the cake. I don't mean for it to sound cold. It's just that we have been through so many catastrophes that I'm not sure we ever had a chance. The affair with the other guy is still ongoing per se, but is more of a just an emotional one rather than physical. He lives two and a half hours away and we talk and text every day. I am seeing red flags with him now too and find myself pulling away. He lives with his mother. He doesn't pay rent. He's gone from job to job in the past year, five or six in a year. A job usually lasts up to four weeks and then he finds some excuse to quit. Usually a coworker disrespected him or things weren't fair. He drinks every day to get drunk, doesn't pay his bills like keeping his car registered and inspected. So he drives his mother's car while his sits in the driveway. He plays video games with his grown son, shares a room with his grown son, and just doesn't seem very responsible or motivated at this time. I would certainly be taking a huge step backward with him. I am not about to play mother to a man who doesn't want to work or take care of responsibilities just so he can play and drink all day. I still long for an emotional connection with someone and a physical touch, but I'm beginning to think that is overrated. There is so much more to life than that. It is about time that I look inside myself and find true happiness instead of looking for a man to supply it. I recognize that I am in depression because of my husband's illness and I am contacting my counselor to set up sessions again. I know I need them. I am carrying a lot of weight and stress on my shoulders and I need someone to talk to. I need to get myself healthy because my husband won't live forever and I will have to stand on my own two feet before much longer. I have faith that I can do it, although the thought scares the hell out of me. Not much of an update, but it's the raw truth. It's up to you to share or not.
the second update uh, came to her after she had listened to her story. I just had a chance to listen to my story and your feedback. I have talked with my husband about my needs and unfortunately, he just isn't physically able to fulfill my needs. This is due to the fact that he wears oxygen 24-7, he isn't able to perform oral sex, because of his weight and physical limitations, he isn't able to wear his strap-on anymore or even snuggle with me. I believe he has lost all desire to show me any attention for the past couple years or so. Whenever he has been in the mood, he will get undressed, and if I do not get undressed, he makes no attempt to touch me or ask me about what I want or anything. If I do get undressed, it ends up with him just lying beside me while I take care of myself anyway. He is happy with me giving oral to him, and then he gets up, gets dressed, and continues on. I have resorted to going to bed alone and taking care of my own needs most of the time, alone. I have suggested that we have date nights and he is limited to where he can go and how long he can be gone because of his oxygen tank. One tank only lasts him two hours and he only has two tanks that the insurance has allowed him to have. He is much more comfortable at home, doesn't want to go out in public and would rather sit on the couch and watch TV. It is his comfort zone and hard to get him out of it most times. I realize that some of this is depression, which goes hand in hand with all of his illnesses. He has finally admitted to his depression after two years, and he has spoken to his doctor about getting help, but that is about as far as he has gone with it. I myself have just started seeing my counselor weekly again because I know that I need help. Honestly, I don't know how much more I can do to change things in my marriage with my husband. I have tried and tried every avenue that I can think of. I guess I have just settled for the fact that he is sick. I will stay with him until the end and do my best to survive. I know that I will be lucky to have another three to five years with him, and I am trying my best to make the most of what we have left. Thanks for sharing my story and for your feedback and listening. You are helping a lot of people, so please keep up with what you are doing. Thank you so much for that update. And I appreciate the fact that you shared that truly you're looking inward to yourself and realizing, wait a minute, I need to rely on myself and I am responsible to find my happiness. Um, one other thing that you had mentioned is you're scared. You know, if you lose your husband, it does sound like in a few years this could potentially happen. Whether it's 50 years from now or two years from now, it's still going to be a challenge and scary and hard. And as I've shared before, I have lost two husbands. My first husband back in 1997 committed suicide. That's my daughter's father. And then, um, while I was recording this podcast, since I've been recording, uh, my husband passed away a couple of weeks after he had surgery. You're not prepared for it no matter what, but you do survive yourself. You pick up the pieces, you figure things out that you need to figure out because you have no other choice. 
um, I would suggest just making sure things are open communication with that so that there's no secrets, nothing hiding. Financially, it's a big deal when somebody passes away. And so you want to make sure that he has got things set aside or you have to be able to take care of that so that in the event that this happens, financially, you'll be okay. But it's still going to be hell to deal with emotionally. So I'm really sorry he is so sick and that you're, you're there trying to enjoy what you can and savor every moment and, and make those memories and know you did everything you could to bring joy to both of your lives. And I, I really hope the counseling helps you work through everything and maybe he will decide he wants to go forward with it. We can't force people into going into counseling. It doesn't work because unless they want to be there, they're not going to absorb what's being discussed. But uh, hopefully he will pick up where he left off and get some help. Our next update is from Lisette. Here is a clip from her original story. My husband wanted me to be like his mother, like his maid. I felt a change in him. He was no longer the sweet guy, Gaga, in love with me. He resented me after. He had to grow up and become a husband. A couple of times during the marriage, he would say he wasn't in love with me and wasn't happy with our sex life, but would later take it back and say he didn't mean it. We did have great moments together, but for years, almost every weekend, he would stay out all hours of the night drinking and hanging out with his friends or who knows who and what he was doing while I would stay home alone with our daughter. Alcohol became an issue, and sometimes our arguments would lead to him getting physical, but he would always apologize and say he was sorry and it wouldn't happen again. I loved him so much, I believed him. We went to marriage counseling to try and sort out our issues. After a few years of marriage, I started a new job where I met a coworker who would flirt and give me compliments all the time. I started to feel those butterflies I had been missing. We started to have lunch dates, and this was the first time I came close to cheating. But I was afraid of getting caught and losing my family, so I cut all contact with this coworker. Update. It's been about a year since sharing my story. We left off where I was feeling torn and guilt about my situation. Fast forward and I'm still feeling the same. My affair partner and I still work for the same company and communicate daily through chat and email, but we hardly see each other now, which helps me with my guilt. And I tell myself that if I'm not seeing him, I'm not cheating. Although I know at this point it's more of an emotional affair to fill a void that I just can't shake. My affair partner's situation remains the same. Nothing has changed on his end. He says if he has no chance to be in a relationship with me, he feels there is no reason to leave his marriage and go through a divorce at this time. We have had a couple more incidents where his wife finds a message or his location is not where he's supposed to be, and he was with me. 
I'm still in my relationship as well, and I've expressed my desire for more emotional and physical needs to be met. But I never feel what I receive is enough, and I know my partner feels he is trying. I'm also losing my patience for a proposal, so with the lack of emotional and physical attention and no marriage, this pushes me to seek the attention from my affair partner. I'm at a point where I don't know how to remove myself from the affair. I don't think I'm strong enough to end it for good. Thank you, Lizette, for sending that in, and it it does sound like you're still in quite a predicament. But as I read your update, I wanted to ask you, do you feel if you get married that that's still going to make you happy with this man? Because it sounds to me that being, that your needs are not being met emotionally, which is very important, and physically. And getting married, is that going to change? I will share with you that I had an experience, and this honestly was with my husband that had passed away. I thought he he was he had a hard time uh, being emotionally close to anybody, including his own kids. And I thought, well, I can change this, or he'll change. And even though I loved him dearly, I was really lonely in the marriage. No, I didn't cheat, but it did not change even though we continue with the relationship and then we were married for seven years before he passed away, it was still very lonely and difficult. And those needs, especially the emotionals, were just not there. I just wanted love and affection. And he struggled with it because he didn't know how to do it. He didn't know how to be that way. He didn't grow up that way. Um, But it didn't change. And I worry that if you put all your eggs in your basket for this guy, that when he proposes and you say yes and you get married, things will be great. But this is a red flag that things are not going in the right direction. So I would would be cautious and think about really if you want to put yourself in a situation where you're married, because then once you're married, it's a lot harder to separate and you know, if you own property or whatever, you know, once you're married, it just makes it more challenging to get out of the relationship. And I can see that if this continues, you're going to continue having that dissatisfaction. And whether it's this affair partner or somebody else, at some point you may feel vulnerable and cross that line again. And then you're married and you're cheating on your husband. And it's like, now what? So I just, if I can give you any advice at all, that is probably hold off on any marriage proposal that you think you're saying yes if he proposes. Because I don't think it's going to change. I don't think he is going to change to the person you need. And like I always say, life is short. You need to make sure you're happy and satisfied. Don't settle for somebody. You love them. I know you don't want to hurt them. But are you going to spend your entire life worrying about him and how he feels when he's not taking care of your needs? You know, so just food for thought. Keep in touch. And thanks again for sending this in.
So our last update is from Tegan, and here is a little clip from her episode. So I started chatting with these guys on Words with Friends. One stood out. He started hitting on me. We had a flirtation. I will call him Tennessee since that is where he is from. He had just got divorced and had two kids who were teenagers. This was in September. Things progressed and we exchanged phone numbers. My heart pounded and I felt lovesick. It was my first time having phone sex. It felt so empowering being able to make a guy come just by talking to him. We got hooked fast. He had an issue with me being married and didn't like that I slept in the same bed with my husband. I would stay up late at night to Skype with Tennessee. I took sexy pictures and sent them to him. One catch is, I don't even really know what he looks like. He had a picture that could have been him. He mostly just sent me dick pics. Things went south with him when my brother-in-law died. He had cancer and Tennessee couldn't handle my husband having to be present through this family trauma. To get back at Tennessee, I started flirting with Colorado. This guy was hot, married. He had just had a baby three months prior with his wife. He was why I joined Snapchat. We exchanged videos and pictures. I made plans to go see him. There were a couple of other guys that were around, but I always had at least three primaries. Update. My husband and I are still healing. We went through three years of couples counseling where he learned how to communicate better, albeit we still sometimes fall into old habits. We completed our couples counseling in June. I did my own personal therapy for three and a half years. I too completed that in August. I feel like we are in a good place. It feels surreal to think of the things that I did to destroy my marriage. My husband will sometimes throw the affair in my face. He is still hurting. I have packed on 70 pounds. I still have work to do on my binge eating. I felt like I purposely made myself fat again so guys wouldn't be tempted to hit on me. That has worked. I occasionally will think back and wonder what those guys are up to. I did have one reach out a few months back. Once he realized that I wasn't that person anymore, he stopped. I've been trying and working on being more affectionate since touch is his love language. Our sex life has dwindled, mostly due to my weight gain and feeling self-conscious about my body. I am working out again and I know I will take the weight off again. This time without any weight loss drugs that will make me go batshit crazy. Seriously, those pills do work, but Tapiramate is no joke in high doses. I haven't been flirting with any guys. I also wear my wedding ring all the time now. I feel like I'm happy. Marriage is hard work. I married a great guy, and due to the trauma I never dealt with, I destroyed it. We are building it back. I think in a few more years, it will be another memory. I realize now that looks fade. All those other guys just wanted to fuck me. They didn't care about me. Shit, most of them were cheating themselves.
I have processed through my trauma, but I would be lying if I said I didn't have more work to do. This time, if I do feel myself starting to slip, I know I can reach out to my therapist at any time. My husband knows the signs, so he is checking in with me more. I just still feel terrible that I caused him, my own husband, PTSD. I guess the saying is true that hurt people hurt people. I have continued listening to all these other women's stories. Some of them I understand why they cheated, and some of them I want to scream, you're the problem. If anyone wants to take away anything from my personal story, it's this. You are in charge of your own life. You are in charge of your choices. Choose wisely. Pay attention to the red flags. And most importantly, communicate. I grow tired of hearing people assuming they know what the person is thinking, feeling, or how they think that person will react. I was that person. And I will be the first person to say, I fucked up. But I'm getting better every day. Thank you for listening to my story. And I'm sorry it's so long, but I tend to be long-winded. Tegan, this is great. I love to hear a success story. And I can tell by your words that you're consciously aware and making the efforts to not slip back into those bad habits. And sometimes when you're angry or frustrated or whatever, it's easy to say, well, fuck it, I'm just going to go do this. But at what cost? Is it really worth it? And to me, it sounds as though you really have done a lot of work on yourself. And I remember your husband was no peach either. He had some faults himself and was dishonest about things. But I'm glad you're both realizing you need to be together and you want to be together. And you are working hard. And again, I call this a success, if I can talk, a success story. Congratulations. Those were great. I love having updates. It's interesting to see what transpires in six months to a year in these situations. And so I am thankful that everybody shared or those who shared, but I also have some feedback that I want to share with everybody that I received. And so this one is feedback. I just discovered your podcast a few days ago and have been binge listening ever since. I can't say enough good things. I identify with a lot of these women's stories. Even though I haven't cheated myself, I have struggled with connecting with my husband on an emotional and physical level lately and have contemplated this many times. It's hard when you have been married for a while and things change and you don't feel like you're even being seen in the relationship. But listening to your podcast has given me clarity that it's just not worth it. It will cause more pain and damage in the long run. I'm also going to join your Patreon as well to hear the men's side of discovering the infidelity. I really appreciate you doing the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It was great. And I, I really do appreciate that. Okay, here's another one. <clears throat> Hello. I want to thank you for your podcast. It's been very helpful for me. I wanted you to know I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you appreciate it and it's helpful. Okay, so here is feedback regarding Janine Part 1. I just listened to Janine Part 1 right now. Janine, if you're part of this group, 
I just want you to know that being a new mom is incredibly hard. My son wouldn't latch at all after three weeks we switched to formula. My daughter and I did better, made it three months before I switched. I couldn't continue feeling like a cow. The constant need for me to be the only one to feed her, it was stressful and mentally and physically draining. I'm saying the guilt is real and it's normal, but that doesn't make you a bad mom or any negative thoughts about yourself. The struggle is real. Both of my kids were born via C-section. Talk about guilt when people are claiming it's the easy way. I can assure you it's not. That doesn't mean I'm not disappointed in myself. I also wanted to say, so far from your first part of your story, it's crazy to me how similar our stories seem. You're not alone. That's awesome. Thank you so much for reaching out, and I wanted to make sure Janine hears this. There is one more feedback. It's more of a kind of a... Okay, so on... I'll explain this. On Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams a month or two ago, I did an... Um, I did a, I can't even talk, my goodness. I did an episode on the female orgasm. And if you follow me on Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, then this little feedback has been maybe a little confusing, maybe not. But I do have that episode set to stream next month, just to give you guys a little something to listen to. Um, And this is on the regular Raw Truth uh, podcast Uh, release, but uh, it's about orgasm. So it was on the Let's Ponder, but I'm going to share it here. I've been trying to write my story about infidelity, although it takes me longer than I expected, but I'd be happy to give you some thoughts on the female orgasm. I found it interesting when you said it seems women who are unfaithful have more orgasms or at least an easier time achieving orgasms. I've always had a high sex drive and don't have trouble achieving orgasm alone or with partners. I find it's even easier as I get older. I have been unfaithful in most of my relationships, and I'm currently in the midst of a two-year affair. I don't sleep with my husband currently, but we are sleeping together, but there's no love or passion. There was so much pain and unhealed wounds from the past, but even with all of that, I would still almost always come, and even when I wasn't in the mood. Even when I couldn't stand him, I would achieve an orgasm. The orgasms were always clitoral and achieved with clitoral stimulation. The orgasms I'm having with the man I'm having an affair with are now unlike any I've ever experienced. It's not even that he's really good at knowing what he's doing to make me come, it's just him, his perfect penis and the passion. I rarely squirted with anyone before him. Well, thank you for sending that in. and. I am actually looking forward to getting your stories, so we're definitely needing it for 2024, so hopefully you'll have an opportunity to write it. And of course, I have a feeling that you'll probably talk about the ease of orgasms with this man. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for sending that. And thank you all for a great year. I appreciate all your support, and I watch my listener, um, I watch it grow. My listenerhood, is that what it's called? (laughs) I can tell my listener, um, it's Friday night and I'm tired and and I probably am just done for the day. Um, But bottom line is I'm thankful for all of you. 
and I will be back in the new year. Let's get those stories sent in to me. I will respond and we can work together. But until then, have a great rest of the year and a happy holiday season. On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when they uncovered the truth. The affirmations he was giving her swept her away. He was young, good-looking, and interested in her. She took the bait. He would come over first for the coffee, then a beer for him and wine for her, until he felt so comfortable that he went in for a kiss. They slept together the first time that day. The rest of the story here was confessed over many days and hours of interrogation. She swore to herself that this was a one-time thing and she would take it to her grave. I probably could have lived with a one-time mistake, but that's not what happened. He started coming around every day and every day they would have unprotected sex in our bed. He had her doing anal sex, which we never did as she didn't like it. He made good on his boast that he could get the housewives to do anything he wanted and that they had more anal sex in a few weeks than we had in 25 years of our marriage. To hear exclusive stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship, have early access to regular episodes ad-free and more extras, Subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as only $4 a month. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of Raw Truth Podcasts is truly appreciated. When you visit the website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, you will find the story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon for exclusive episodes, and to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, where taboo topics are discussed. To submit your female infidelity story, share feedback, or have general questions about the show, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com.